Welcome to the Echidna, ACM's sharp and close-to-the-ground podcast. This week, we talk to our people on the campaign trail with the leaders. It's so much fun. We're literally about a board plane right now to a destination that we don't know. There's a lot of energy involved. There's a lot of intrigue. It doesn't get better than this. It's the grand final of federal politics in Australia. And gotcha questions. Are they fair? Do they add up to anything? Well, how much is a a litre of milk or a loaf of bread? Would you know how much they are, Steve? One ninety-nine for a litre of milk, organic from Aldi. Loaf of bread in Aldi, three dollars and nine. What's the what's the price of a cherry ripe, Gary? Ooh, a dollar fifty. All coming up with Alex and me, Steve Evans. the end of week one of the election campaign, Mr Morrison got in an early win this week after the opposition leader stumbled on that gotcha question. Anthony Albanese didn't know the rate of unemployment or the Reserve Bank cash rate. We have reporters and photographers close to both leaders, following them step by step and slip by slip. Photographer Sit Didavong and reporter Sarah busford Canales are with Mr Albanese. I asked Sit where they'd been. We first went down to Tasmania, and we did stops in Launceston, uh, up in Devonport, and also down in a town called Longford. Uh, after that, we left North Tasmania to fly to Melbourne, and we're back at the airport now flying to somewhere where we have no idea. And that's just how this works. We have no idea where we go at any point in time, and we just have to ride along with it. So when do you sort find out? Is it not until you're landing in that spot? Often, and, and often actually uh, when we do land, we're still sort of guessing. We tend to not know really until we're on the bus. And I think that's just how campaigns are these days. We've spoken to a few of the veteran journos here and they were saying that it was sort of an idea that was introduced in the Howard years to stop protesters coming to the sites before they get there. Um, but obviously it just makes it a lot harder for us to sort of prepare questions ahead of time. It's been quite fun actually speaking to Uh, media from every organisation trying to work out where we're going. Our first flight to Tasmania, for example, we're in the back of a Hercules, which has no windows, obviously, and, you know, we're pulling out the compass on our phones just trying to to guess which direction we're heading in. We usually get very, very little hints and then we sort of try and rule out places based on that. For example, uh, when we jumped on that Hercules, the hint we got was that we should wear cold weather clothing. And based on that, we, we actually ended up um, guessing Launceston well before we got on the plane. Obviously, we didn't know until we actually landed in Launceston. How tightly controlled is it? I mean, are you up there sitting next to Albanese on the on the bus and, you know, having, having a chat between at coffee time or is it very much stand up, ask your questions, he's away? It is very tightly controlled. Two events so far has sort of been the average per day. We get a press conference or major event in the morning and we're supposed to have those really short picture opportunities in the afternoon, which the journalists don't often get any questions asked there. He's definitely not on the bus with us, just um, kicking back and having a laugh. He's on a separate bus. He's on a separate plane. They're keeping him quite contained and really we just get to see glimpses of him every day. It's been an interesting change today where he sort of limited the press conference to just eight minutes, whereas um, the last two days it's been about 30 to 40 minutes. And he sort of took the higher ground and said, look, I'm not going to run away from your questions. You'll all get to ask your question. He ended up holding a, a press conference that lasted for, I think, around 30 to 40 minutes. 
obviously that's the press conference where he was asked multiple times to tell the press pack what the unemployment rate is and what the cash rate is. He obviously tried to deflect that question, but because the press pack kept asking it, he was forced to admit that he didn't know. Today, we've seen him promise a 15-minute press conference, but it was actually cut short by seven minutes. And Sid, are you hanging out for those moments to capture them off guard? Is there, or is there a bit more respect, more, you know, our coveted leaders, which, you know, so stops the photographers from capturing them when they're scratching their bum? My objective isn't to do that. For me, you know, visually, I'd really am trying to, you know, I have the luxury of being in this position where we're spending um, these weeks on the road getting a, a closer look at the man who might be our next Prime Minister and trying to understand who this person is. So I'm looking for pictures that can somehow reveal that character. And every day I'm learning more about who Anthony Albanese is and I'm, I'm looking for shots that somehow tell that. And when journalists are on this campaign trail, there is the, you know, the after hours things, the media drinks, the events. Is Albanese hosting those for you guys? Do you go along? And is it okay for journalists to be sitting and having a beer with, you know, the people that they're to scrutinise? We have had a media drinks with Mr Albanese. I don't want people to get the impression that there was this, you know, raging party with lots of backslapping going on between the media and the candidate, you know, where everyone is in the thick of it together. And, you know, having two pieces of cheese and a glass of wine. It doesn't stop the press pack from relentlessly pursuing further details about Labor's policies and and how they plan to actually get these policies on the ground um, if they were to be elected. So I think if we started to obviously see a lot of softball questions at either of the leaders and, and that's potentially following, you know, multiple or nightly media drinks, maybe that's when the sort of question would come up as to whether it's appropriate. But I think at this point, it's pretty standard practice across all parties. Finally, guys, is it fun? It's so much fun. We're literally about a board plane right now to a destination that we don't know. There's a lot of energy involved. There's a lot of intrigue and for invested political observers. It doesn't get better than this. It's the grand final of federal politics in Australia. Sit Didavong, Sarah Basford, Canales. Thank you so much. You better get on that flight. Thanks very much. Did Mr Albanese's failure to know two important figures really matter? He did fess up to a mistake, so he might have thought so. Dr Chris Wallace of the University of Canberra's Institute for Governance isn't quite so sure. For the opposition leader to succumb to that question the way he did and and get so easily bowled by it wasn't good. On the other hand, if you're going to make a Titanic stuff up, do it on day one of the election campaign, not day 31. I would say historically Labor's biggest enemy in election campaigns is complacency. And Anthony Albanese has had a a strong lead in opinion polls on a two-party preferred basis for a long time now. Uh, There may have been a touch of complacency creeping into his own mind, uh, possibly into the mind of the team briefing him. And that day one stuff up will be a titanic reminder that you've got to prep hard, you've got to stay alert, you've got to prepare for the hard gotcha questions. Of course, they're annoying, they can often be trivial, but it doesn't hurt to get bowled easily by predictable balls like that. So good for them to get a shake up on day one. It's six weeks to election day, so they've got plenty of time to recoup. So this could have been actually beneficial. It would could have been the staffers are all in panic mode now going, this can't happen again, and voters are likely going to forget about it soon anyway. Elections are dynamic. It's like a rolling mall in rugby. Six weeks is an incredibly long time, and th- there are going to be errors on both sides. 
the point is, over time, over the election campaign, voters form a deeper impression of the offerings and they'll work out uh, whatever the stumbles, who they really want to lead the country for the next three years. Except that there's a different perception of the man now. Before the election, he looked prime ministerial on the box, and now he doesn't. Well, I don't think that's quite right, Steve. Anthony Albanese, the next day, gave a press conference in which, very, very importantly, he did not look rattled. He looked calm. He had a really good response, substantively, and that was... I'm human, I make errors. If I make an error, I'm going to own it and be accountable for it. And in that, he was implicitly contrasting himself with Scott Morrison, about whom all the research shows uh, voters feel won't own an issue, won't cop an error uh, on the chin, won't stand up and be responsible for the government's performance. So Albanese quite cleverly tried to turn it. But most importantly of all, he managed to great, get a great little pop culture hook in too. Uh, he'd referred to the Ramones on the Sunday when the election was called. He dropped in a little Taylor Swift reference in this press conference and said he was going to shake it off. What it would have signalled to the coalition campaign is, is this bloke, uh, he might stuff up occasionally, but he's not going to be so easily just run over the way the predecessor was at the 2019 election. Go on, say the word. You can't even say the word, can you? Uh, Bill Shorten. <laughs> what is your prediction that Labor's strategy is going to be? Are we going to see knives out? The pros will tell you a party gets to communicate to voters one or at most two big ideas. So Labor's big idea, I think, is that they are a safe pair of hands to take responsibility and deliver better government of higher integrity. The coalition's argument is going to be perilous times. You know you can trust the coalition more with the economy, so stick with us. Now, of course, you wouldn't want to let facts interfere in this at all, uh, but the fact is Labor has a fantastically powerful counter-argument on the economy. First thing is, if you look at the last 50 years of macroeconomic stats, government spending as a proportion of GDP has been systematically lower under Labor than under coalition governments. Now, the opposition has the significant advantage of a very, very good shadow treasurer in Jim Chalmers. If the opposition leader is smart, he will get Chalmers out front and centre as much as possible and try and cut through with an economic argument against the government and kind of try and pull the rug out of their fundamental campaign against Labor. It can be done. Whether it will be done, I don't know. It requires journalists to actually get interested in the substance of the economic debate and the differences between the parties. So that's going to be something to kind of keep an eye on as the campaign unfolds. All these arguments about debt are very interesting and very important. But out there, they don't register. All people think is, well, the economy's not going too bad, you know. The pandemic's been pretty rough, but unemployment's falling. It's only partly true what you say, Steve. There's one particular group that are very sensitive and concerned about rising government debt levels. And interestingly, it's centrist, moderate coalition voters. And you'll see in a range of seats around Australia, uh, in, in Melbourne, for example, Kuyong and Higgins and Goldstein, where you've got lots of well-educated, centrist, fairly informed, uh, you know, sensible centre liberal voters they don't like what the government's done on spending. They actually know that debt's blown out 
And that's partly what's fueling this big rise in the potential independent vote in those seats. So the, the government knows it's a problem. And if Labor manages to kind of cut through and get that up as an issue, it could not only benefit Labor and its own kind of marginals that it's trying to win, it could also aid independents running against coalition sitting members in those kind of soft, centrist, middle-class, affluent LNP seats. Finally, Dr Chris Wallace, who's going to win? Right now, it's most likely Labor will win. If it was an election held this weekend, there's not going to be. There's five and a half weeks to go, so it would be crazy to predict. But at the back of our minds, we should always bear in mind the possibility that if Labor's primary vote doesn't come through for it, then a hung parliament with a minority government of either side supported by independent MPs is a very real possibility. Thank you very much indeed. Pleasure. The gotcha question has become very divisive this week. Some think they're a cheap journalistic trick, while others think they're a valuable way of cutting through the spin. To discuss this, we brought together our regular outside-the-bubble contributors, cartoonist Fiona Kataskis, but first, Gary Linnell. I'm a huge fan. It may come as no surprise to you, but I'm actually a huge fan of the gotcha question. And I know that's probably a very unpopular view and a minority view, but I think they really do play a role, uh, particularly during a federal election campaign, where you have candidates who are so well rehearsed. They always stay on message. They're always staying to a very careful script. And the chance for a question to throw them off their thinking and get them away from that script tells us a lot, I think, about how they react under pressure. But also, I mean, quite frankly, shouldn't the opposition leader know the national unemployment rate? I mean, he started saying it was 5.4%. It's 4%. It's been talked about in Parliament endlessly for the last three months. I'm going to uh, very, very vigorously disagree with you, Gary, there. I, God, I've got to say, this has been boiling my piss all week. I get the whole logic that you're saying about the gotcha questions, but I just, I think that's part of a toxic game between the media and the public that really is um, part of the problem and part of the disillusionment that people have with democracy. A gotcha question is, in essence, trying to trip someone up. It is not part of a greater story. Like, there's no relation to anything more. The questions are stuff that I, I think extrapolating it out to a greater thing about someone... I think that's farcical. I'm seeing reports from Talkback Radio. I've looked at the letters to the editor at the Courier Mail and the Daily Telegraph, which ran hard on this. People don't seem to care, and there's a lot of people who don't like Albanese saying, yeah, well, whatever, move on. Fiona, whether or not we like it or not, the fact is that it took place, and Albanese oh, has been visibly yeah. upset by it. Yes, and really thrown I, I, I agree. And then he said, I shouldn't, like, I'm not saying this to defend Anthony Albanese. I'm not actually a particular fan of his. And I think he did stuff up by doing that, absolutely. But then he came out and went, yes, I stuffed up. And yet I am hearing journalists talking to journalists about how this is the biggest story. People keep saying it's leading the news and stuff. You're making effing news. You know, but that's what I, journalists I do. That's our job. This sort of, uh, and I think, I, I don't know, because I, I did the cartoon on it, on it this week on, on the issues that 
that I think really matter, the gotcha questions we'd like to have. And that's and then I put that on Twitter and that's one of the most retweeted cartoons I've ever done. Well, what is the rate of unemployment, Fiona? It was the gaff, rate of unemployment. Gaff. Or is I mean, it now extrapolated into, we need um, a narrative for, for Anthony Albanese. So great, we've cooked on it now, he's incompetent. So this is going to be our thing and we're going to keep rehashing this. Because I got to say, I... I might be completely out of touch, but I don't know if the public are buying this and if it's just making them angry at the media. But Fiona, do you feel strongly on the subject though? That's what I <laughs> Oh, I do, I do. I feel very strongly. I hate to say this, but I think you're both right. And that is clearly somebody who wants to be prime minister where the economy is at the, the, right at the center of the debate needs to know basic economic figures now he may have been flustered at the time you know we, we all forget names as we get older but on the other hand if you have this eternal or daily gotcha question then you don't talk about bigger issues yeah i still think a good gotcha question is comes in very handy there's a time and a place for it and like anyone, I mean, if, if you were walking down the street and someone came up to you and said, well, how much is a, a litre of milk or a loaf of bread? Would you know how much they are, Steve? One ninety nine for a, a litre of milk, organic from Aldi. Loaf of bread in Aldi, $3.09. What's the, what's the price of a cherry ripe, Gary? Ooh, $1.50. Not bad. What about a, I don't know, classic Australian things, a Hills Hoist? What would you pay for a Hills Hoist? Well, it's funny you should ask that because I had to install one just the other week and it cost me $649, I think, at Bunnings. And a Cobra Cattleman? You won't know this one, will you? I was $220. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I've done my homework. I've done my homework, Steve. But there are some questions that I would actually like politicians to get gotcha on because I think these are things that actually reveal a bit of the bigger picture. How many rentals in the whole of Australia were affordable for single people on Newstart? The answer to that, three in the whole of Australia. Or what percentage of public schools aren't funded enough to meet their basic, basic requirements? My kids go to public schools and I went to public schools, so I know this thing very well. 85%, 100% of private schools are fully funded. 85% of state schools aren't. And I'd also really like a question on, if we carry on this climate path, how utterly screwed are we? And that is 100%. Thank you both. (laughs) Thank you. Sorry, I didn't get my rant on a bit there. Join us next week for the Echidna podcast, sharp and close to the ground on the campaign trail. With me, Alex Crow. And me, Steve Evans.